you'll be happy to know that I did take into account that this would be a longer service. Uh, so I wrote a shorter sermon. However, it's always the dreaded however. There's about 70 verses of Scripture uh, in our text, and I intend to read them all. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that You would uh, be with us and open not only our minds, but our hearts to receive Your Word. Help us to look to the grace of our Lord Jesus. We ask in His name. Amen. I'll read this, uh, the passages as we go along. Um, instinctively, we know that we cannot fully uh, understand or comprehend God. God is infinitely more than we can ever fully know. Uh, I believe that even after we get to heaven, that we're going to be learning new things about God uh, for all eternity. In saying that, however, it doesn't mean that we have an inaccurate view of God now. God has given us a true report of Himself in the Bible, only it's not a full report. Here on this side of eternity, uh, even if He were to give us a full report of Himself, uh, there wouldn't be books enough in the world to uh, contain what there would be to learn about Him. And in our finite selves, uh, we would not be able to grasp it all. This is not a weakness in our theology that we don't know everything about God. In fact, uh, theologians have a term that acknowledges that we don't know everything about God. They speak of the incomprehensibility of God, or some of the older theologians might call it the inscrutability of God. Uh, the Bible teaches the incomprehensibility of God. Listen to Romans 11, verses 32 through 36. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom of the knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments! How inscrutable His ways! Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has ever given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him alone be the glory forever. Understanding that you cannot put God in a box or that you cannot predict what He's going to do or not do is the key to understanding this passage. God does not act in this passage, nor does He act in any, at any time in ways that we would typically expect. Um, God is the sovereign God. And He is infinitely greater than we are. We're going to see this morning uh, that both Jacob and his uncle uh, Laban are acting very foolishly. Uh, they are both jockeying for position. Uh, they, they want wealth. And so each is trying to, to gain as much wealth as they can. And in so doing, they're trying to take advantage of each other. Um, both men ended up, end up being too smart by half. Uh, the more cunning they are in their schemes, the more foolish that they appear. I, I read this passage over and over again this week, and I kept saying to myself, these men are clowns. 
in in uh, the way that they are trying to manipulate and and get one up on the other. But in spite of Jacob and and Laban, God once again proves that He is a sovereign God who is able to draw draw a straight line with a couple of crooked sticks. Or in Jacob's case, God is able to draw a straight line with a bunch of of striped sticks. And you'll see what I'm talking about as we move through the passage. Uh, For those who might be joining us for the first time, we're working our way through Genesis Genesis, passage by passage. Uh, Jacob fled from his brother because he had stolen his brother's blessing that uh, really was rightly his to begin with um, because of God's promise. So he went, he fled over to Mesopotamia uh, to the east to his uncle's house in order to find a wife. Uh, He met Rachel. He worked seven years in order to pay the bride price, but his uncle tricked him uh, because instead of giving him Rachel, his uncle gave him his older daughter, uh, Leah, and uh, then at the end of the week, uh, God also—I mean, Laban—also gave to Jacob um, Rachel to be his wife. But it was in return for another seven years. So Jacob worked seven years, and then had to work another seven years. So fourteen years. During those those last seven years, Jacob had twelve children, eleven sons, and one daughter. Um, he had those twelve children. Uh, by his two wives and their maidservants. So, now we come to our passage. Those seven years have ended. Uh, Jacob has decided it's time to leave Mesopotamia. He wants to return to the land of Canaan, to the land promised to him by God, to the place where he has an inheritance uh, waiting upon him. And so this is where our text picks picks up. Listen closely to these negotiations between Jacob and Laban. Their words are dripping with honey. But there are devious plans in each man's heart. Listen to verses 25 through 36 of chapter 30. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. Jacob said to him, You yourself know how I have served you, and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it is increased abundantly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, What shall I give you? Jacob said, You shall not give me anything, but if you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later, when you come to look into my wages with you. Every one that is not speckled or spotted among the goats and the black among the lambs, if found with me, it shall be counted stolen. Laban said, Good, let it be as you have said. 
But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted, and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and put them in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Um, Laban's wealth had increased uh, dramatically, tremendously, while Jacob had been tending the flocks. So he obviously then does not want Jacob to go. Uh, So he asked Jacob, what can I give you in order that you would stay? So Jacob proposed that uh, Jacob be allowed to go through Laban's flock, choose those speckled and spotted goats and sheep, and also choose the black sheep. Um, The speckled and spotted goats and, and the black sheep are much rarer than the solid white or brown sheep um, and goats that Jacob's um, that Jacob had in his proposal. So this must have been uh, music to Laban's ears. Here he has gone and said he wants just the spotted and speckled and uh, goats and the and and the black sheep. And uh, Laban is thinking, I'm going to get the best of this deal. So he agreed to it. And then he changed the terms. Instead of Jacob going through and and gathering these, Laban goes through and gathers them. And then he puts all the spotted, speckled goats and and the black sheep in, in, uh, in his own son's charge uh, instead of in Jacob's and then sends them away three days journey well it's assumed that Jacob uh, is is in charge which he is but it would have been very easy for Laban to have cheated him uh, some way or another so anyway uh, all throughout this negotiation Laban's feeling really good you almost picture Laban turning away and, and going home with a smirk on his face thinking that he has just completely uh, taken advantage of, of Jacob and he is very glad that he was able to do this. Uh, but Jacob had a master plan. Verses 37 through 43 gives us the details. So let's look at what uh, Jacob's master plan uh, was. Verse 37, Then Jacob took fresh fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks and the troughs, that is, the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks. And so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the stripe, and all the black in front of the, in the flock, and all the, the black in, in the flock of Laban. He put his own he put his sorry. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, and camels and donkeys. Now, if you're reading this, you're probably saying... 
how are these sticks from the poplar and almond and plane trees, um, how did they cause Jacob's flocks to grow so greatly? Uh, if you're asking this, you're not alone. Um, there was a common belief in the ancient Near East that a vivid sight during pregnancy or, or during conception would leave its mark on the embryo. And so having these, these sticks that he has peeled back the bark and peeled stri- strips of bark on these sticks in front of these uh, goats and lambs, it, um, in his mind he thinks that it is going to cause these goats then to be born as striped or speckled, but certainly not all white or all brown. And um, so yeah, I think he has an A for imagination, but there is absolutely no evidence this would work. Now the passage also says that Jacob was careful to make sure that the strongest among the flocks were bred together, uh, which is wise. But that doesn't account for the great growth that took place among Jacob's flocks. And the passage really wants us to see that it is God blessing Jacob in spite of Jacob's efforts to bless himself. God blessed Jacob in spite of Jacob. God blessed Jacob in spite of Jacob's foolishness. God prospered Jacob uh, in the face of Jacob's attempts to manipulate circumstances. God blessed Jacob in spite of Jacob's failure to trust in the promises of God. Uh, many of the commentators that I read, they, they went through the pass- this passage here and they were struggling to find instances of Jacob's faith because they're thinking, if God is so willing to bless Jacob, then Jacob must be trusting in God. That God is blessing Jacob in response to Jacob's faith. But this is not how God works. God does not wait for us to repent before He works. God does not wait for us to have faith before He loves us. God does not wait for us to have faith before He shows His love for us. You remember Romans 5.8? God shows His love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We repent or we trust in God because God has begun to work in us. If it were up to us, none of us would repent. None of us would have faith. All of us would go our own way. It is God coming to us prior to us turning to God. God makes the difference. God is gracious to us before we trust in Him. This is a great example of God drawing a straight line um, with the crooked or, or striped sticks. Jacob being the crooked uh, stick. And God has said, I love Jacob. Even though he doesn't love me right now, I love him. Even though he has never loved me, I love him. And I have determined to bless him. Therefore, he will be blessed in spite of himself. Jacob worked for Laban another six years after they made this agreement. 
because of Jacob's blessings, um, and in spite of Jacob, Jacob's flocks have increased. Uh, Jacob has prospered tremendously. And it seems as if the wealth has been transferred from Laban to Jacob. So Jacob begins to notice that, that his uncle Laban is not, not being as nice as he used to be. So Jacob's probably thinking it's time to go. So God spoke to Jacob and confirmed this feeling. So then Jacob called Rachel and Leah out into the field uh, to tell them he was planning to leave. He wanted their buy-in um, so that they would not uh, fight him when it was time to go. Notice that he calls them out into the fields. We'll read it in a second. Because he learned that, uh, that tents have thin walls. So he... Um, and he has made his plans to leave while Laban has gone to shear his sheep out in the fields. So listen to the next passage of Scripture. We've moved into chapter 31, verses 1 through 21. Now Laban heard that the sons... I'm sorry, Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what from what, what was our father's, he has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was, and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with a favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, The spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, The striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes, and I saw in a dream that the goats had mated with a flock, uh, with a flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of the Lord said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see. All the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we, regarded, are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our Father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. So Jacob arose, set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock and his possession that he had acquired in Padam Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her, father, her, her father's household gods, and Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him he had intended to flee. He fled with all that he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face towards the hill country of Gilead. So, um, Jacob has made his escape uh, while Laban was out in the field. 
We're going to find in a second that Laban, when he finds out about it, um, gathers his forces and he goes on the war path. Um, and so, uh, well, let's just go ahead and and uh, and read ahead toward this confrontation. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that that you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me so that I might send you might have sent you away with mirth and songs, with tambourine and lyre? And why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? You have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad, now that you have gone away, because you have longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your gods shall not live in the presence of our kinsmen. Point out what I have that is yours and take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. It's funny how God meets Jacob. God says, I'm sorry, God meets Laban. God says to Laban, do not harm him. He wouldn't have said that if he wasn't on the warpath. But then when Jacob, uh, or when Laban catches up with Jacob, he says to him, I just wanted to kiss my daughters goodbye. I just wanted to say goodbye to my grandchildren. Um, why are you running away? Um, playing the part of the, the, the loving, wounded father who just wanted to say goodbye to his, to his daughters. Um, I'm going to jump down to, to verse 36 uh, because Laban does a, an exhaustive search uh, for... Uh, his household gods and cannot find them because Rachel uh, has them in her um, saddlebags and she's sitting uh, on top of them. But verse 36, uh, Jacob is filled with righteous indignation. Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, What is my offense? That, what is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? For you have felt through all my goods, what have you found of all my household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between the, between the two of us. Here's the upshot. Um, they end up making a covenant with each other. Laban proposes this peace, uh, this peace treaty, this agreement between the two of them. So here is Laban hotly pursuing Jacob Obviously, with the intent of taking back his daughters, taking back his flocks by force, God comes to him, do not lay a hand on Jacob. Do not harm him. And God turns Jacob, I mean Laban's harmful plans and brings a peace agreement out of it. 
And so they make this peace agreement, um, a, a, a pact of non-aggression, if you will. They set up a pillar, and Laban says, I will not cross to the west of this pillar. Jacob says, I will not cross back to the east of this pillar. And, um, and in spite of themselves, God is bringing about His purposes. To quickly conclude, God is not a God that you can put into your own box. He doesn't act as if, uh, in, according to the ways we normally think. He blesses Jacob before Jacob's heart is turned to, to him. In fact, God is preparing Jacob in order to meet him by the Kidron Brook we'll see here uh, in the coming weeks. God loves you to belong to Jesus Christ. He is not withholding His blessings from you. There are times where I know you think, I, I, I find myself thinking the same way, that I set out to do something, but I lack confidence because I'm struggling with guilt. Um, maybe there's other times where you have this notion of legalistic um, fairness in your mind and you think, because I've done these good things for God, surely He's going to do what I want Him to do in response. Or because I've, done, I've been unfaithful, therefore He's not going to do. God blessed Jacob in spite of Jacob. God blessed Jacob before Jacob loved God. God blessed Jacob even when his, his uncle was coming to confront him. And Jacob was scared to death. Had to, to run away uh, while, his, while his uncle was out uh, shearing the sheep. God, if He has promised His love to you, and if you are in Jesus Christ, you have that assurance of His love. God will use even the greatest fears in your life in order to be a blessing to you. God will use the failures and the foolishness just like He, he, he used in Jacob's life. So He will use even your foolishness to bring His good about, to bring blessing into your life. It could well be that the that the largest regrets, the biggest, uh, the, the largest regrets are the, the the biggest levers in that God uses to bring His grace about in your life. It could well be that your your largest regrets are those things that God uses to keep you humble, to keep you near, to keep you in dependence upon Him. The God that we are learning about here is a God of grace. The God we are learning about here is a God that is faithful to His promises and that will never, ever abandon His children because He will never, ever be unfaithful to Himself in spite of you. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that as we have looked at Your faithfulness, 
through the lies and disobedience and foolishness of Jacob and Laban. I pray that You would encourage Your people. Father, I pray that if there are any here who have never turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, help them to remember that You will also be faithful to them. That You will be faithful to pour out Your judgment against them because their sins still stand um, against their account. And God, I pray that in so humbling that You would also draw them to the Lord Jesus because He alone is that narrow gate. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. We pray in His name. Amen.